it's good to be together in the presence of God. It's a strange kind of image that the fragrance of Jesus would fill a place. But a lovely smell that spreads out draws us in to its source. And I think that's what that is trying to say to us. We are drawn as to a beautiful smell to worship. Some words from the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The first reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 12 in the Good News Bible. The spiritual treasures in clay pots. <clears throat> Yet <clears throat> we who have this spiritual treasure are like common clay pots in order to show that the supreme power belongs to God, not to us. We are often troubled, but not crushed, sometimes in doubt, but never in despair. There are many enemies, but we are never without a friend. And though badly hurt at times, we are not destroyed. At all times, we carry in our mortal bodies the death of Jesus, so that his life also may be seen in our bodies. Throughout our lives, we are always in danger of death for Jesus' sake, in order that his life may be seen in this mortal body of ours. This means that death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 13. And this is Jesus is anointed at Bethany. Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon a man who had suffered from a dreaded skin disease. While Jesus was eating, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar filled with an expensive perfume, which she poured on his head. The disciples saw this and became angry. Why all this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold for a large amount and the money given to the poor. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? It is a fine and beautiful thing she has done for me. You will always have poor people with you, but you will not always have me. What she did was to pour this perfume on my body to get me ready for burial. Now I assure you that wherever this gospel is preached all over the world, what she has done 
will be told in memory of her. So, would you put something precious into a paper cup or a plastic cup? Especially one like this that was a hundred for a pound at the pound shop. Something that's intended to be used once and then thrown away. Well, of course you wouldn't. That's just a, a daft thing to say, isn't it? Things that are precious, we put in safe places. Sometimes hidden from sight and only brought out on special occasions to be admired for a few moments before concern for their well-being overtakes us and we carefully put them back in the box or the drawer or the safe from which they came. So how strange that when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he used the image of clay pots, the paper cups of their day, as the vessels that God would choose to contain precious truths about Jesus. Had they had Starbucks in first century Palestine, they'd have given you your skinny fair trade latte, if they had such things, in a clay cup. That was the thing. You just had it, you used it, and you chucked it away in favour of something else. And I think what Paul is saying is that we are like clay pots, paper cups, plastic cups, We can so easily find ourselves crushed and broken. We can so easily be wounded by the words that people say to us, by the experiences we have. And we're ordinary people who, more typically through carelessness than callousness, can crush and break each other. And yet there is a mystery here, that out of that brokenness, out of that fragility, can come hope and beauty. Out of the wounds can come new life. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of some words of the prophet Isaiah, and maybe they're in your minds, I don't know, talking about Jesus He wasn't a handsome king. There's nothing about the way he looked that made him attractive to us. He was hated and rejected. His life was filled with sorrow and great suffering. No one wanted to look at him. We despised him and said, he's a nobody. He suffered and endured great pain for us. And we thought that his suffering was punishment from God. He was wounded and crushed because of our sins. By taking our punishment, he made us completely well. And now I don't want to mislead you because not all suffering is redemptive. Not all breaking can give rise to things that are beautiful. But through the grace of God... Brokenness can be transformed into something beautiful. People like us who, on a global scale, count for about as much as these paper cups, who are easily damaged and who can so easily damage others, are the very vessels into which God places precious treasure. And in our lives, the transformation from brokenness to beauty 
can be experienced. We can become like a paper cup filled with roses. The story of the meal at the house of Simon the leper, Simon the man who had had a dreaded skin disease, is told in Matthew and very similar one in Mark. And there are two similar but not the same stories, one in each of Luke and John. If you actually read the four stories, you can tell it's not the same story because there are different people. They took place in different places and Jesus gets different parts of his anatomy anointed. So it's clearly more than one story. But in each case, what happens is something beautiful. And there's a temptation to try and make one story out of it. But actually, it's good sometimes to just try to imagine that we are like the first hearers or readers of the gospel who only have that version. We don't have all the others. So we have Matthew's story of Jesus' visit to the house of Simon, who had suffered from a streaded skin disease. And I would venture to suggest that there are two broken people in this story, at least, two key people in this story who are broken, and we know very little about either of them. The first is Simon the leper. It's to his home that Jesus and others have come, and it is he who will witness these extraordinary events. And then there's the woman. She hasn't got a name. We don't actually know anything about her other than that she arrived at Simon's house, bringing with her an alabaster jar of expensive perfume. I couldn't run to one of those. But I did manage to run to a a glass bottle of of, uh, room freshener. She brought something very precious to her. And what she did led Jesus to say that whenever this gospel story was told, she would be remembered. She's not, despite what tradition might tell us, identified as Mary Magdalene. And there is no indication in the Matthew account that she was a sinful woman, whatever that may or may not have meant. But two people about whom we actually know very little, but people who were very important to that story. If they hadn't been there, no story. And I'm actually going to take us on a bit of a flight of fantasy. We're going to use our imaginations and try to hear the story as they might have told it. Don't know whether it's right, don't know whether it's wrong, this is my imagination. But maybe we can find in there some hints of our own experiences and to see how beauty can come from brokenness. So let's hear first from Simon the leper. There it is. Written down for everybody to see for all time. Simon the leper. Not Simon the man who opened his house. Not Simon the man who entertained the Lord. Simon the leper. You can't get away from your past, can you? 
I, Simon, had had one of those dreaded skin diseases that made me unclean. I'd suffered with sore and flaky skin, an overwhelming desire to scratch the sores and the frustration of knowing that scratching them would only make it worse. I'd been forced out of society for a while, marginalised, excluded from conversation, not allowed to hug my family, not allowed to attend the synagogue. And now, even after I'd recovered, even after I'd completed all the religious rituals, and even as the scars faded, the stigma remained. You know, Simon the leper, the one who had that condition. The one people still wondered about. The one who, for the rest of his life, would be defined by his past. And it hurt. I just wanted to get on with life. To be an ordinary man again, but it just doesn't seem possible. So imagine how I felt when Jesus wanted to come to my house. My house. This was a moment to savour. This teacher and healer never seemed to be put off by people's pasts. Or their present life, for that matter. He just treated them as people. And that intrigued me. I so wanted to be treated as somebody normal again. And there was just that little bit of risk about the whole thing too. The last week or so had seen such a great shift in the mood around Jerusalem. There were rumours that the authorities were out to get him. You know, get him. If I had him in my house, I might be in trouble. But if I didn't, well, it might be too late, and I'd always wonder. Evening came, and everything was ready. I was excited, and I was nervous. I wanted everything to be just right. Of course, you don't find any of that written down in the gospel. It just says, Jesus came to my house. But dare to imagine this scene. The best food that I could afford the most elaborate serving vessels I had made from polished silver and gold. Can you imagine how that made me feel? It was wonderful. Someone I thought was amazing thought that I was worth visiting. I wasn't just Simon the leper. I was Simon the man whose house Jesus visited and now I knew I had value. And it felt amazing. But more was still to come. Things I'd never have dreamed of. Things I will never, never forget. Why don't I pass you on to her? You know, what's the name? That woman. Nobody wrote her name down, but, but she was there too. An unnamed woman. That's what I am. A woman who came under cover of darkness to see Jesus, carrying with her a precious alabaster jar of expensive perfume. People have been quick to speculate 
how I came by such a treasure. Swift to assume I was, as you might say, a lady of the night. But what do they really know? No one actually knows if I was rich or poor, good or bad. They simply put all the stories together and assume the worst. Maybe that jar was my insurance policy. My old age pension, if you like. Something of enormous financial worth that I have kept for a rainy day. And I could have sold it at some point to meet my needs. You'll never be sure, will you? But maybe you like to wonder. All you do know is that I came to see Jesus in the night like so many others had done over the past years. A man who intrigued and mystified me. And I brought with me my jar of perfume. Breaking the seal on my jar, I poured the perfume onto Jesus' head. He seemed pleased. And as the oil flowed, the warmth from his body caused the fragrance to fill the whole room. A beautiful smell radiating outwards from him. A moment to savour. Then the angry voices came. What a waste! This beautiful perfume could have been sold and the money given to poor relief. And it's true. It could have been. And on another occasion, I might have done just that. But not that day. On that night, I wanted to be close to Jesus. To offer him something precious. Something beautiful. To escape from the boring, same old, same old of my life. I wanted to feel that I had value. I wanted to do what I could for this man who intrigued me so much. And all I heard was scornful words from his closest friends. The ones who were meant to understand. But they failed so miserably. Then he spoke. What she's done for me is beautiful. And wherever the good news is told, this will be part of the story. She has understood this moment and you haven't. Of course there are always going to be poor people who need arms. But this moment, this fleeting moment is different. I won't always be here. Can't you just share this moment with me? I was amazed. I'm just a woman. One of thousands who live in this land. Just a woman who gets cross when things don't go her way. Who argues over silly things. Who speaks without thinking sometimes. Just a woman who gets bruised and battered by life's storms. He said I'd be part of the story. Just like Simon, 
the one who once had a dreaded skin disease we all feared, but opened his house to welcome and to find welcome. We're both part of the story. We're both broken people, people whose lives have been afflicted by sickness and sinfulness and by sadness. But you know what? Your lives aren't so different. Out of our brokenness came something beautiful, a moment to remember. But more than that, a sense of being valued and loved and accepted and welcomed. It wasn't that everything was suddenly roses, and it wasn't that we never ever did anything bad again, because we were still people. But this man, who looked just like any other man, had changed us forever. So now, you have to go back to your time. We have to stop playing, let's pretend, and discover the truth for ourselves. Maybe, like Simon, you live with the taint of your past, damaged by things that have happened to you. Maybe, like the woman, you live in the shadows, with no one knowing the real you, so they make up what they think fits. Maybe you're like the disciples, sure of your own righteousness and oblivious to the damage you cause or to the wounds that you carry. (coughs) Take a moment of stillness and come to Jesus. Listen for his voice. Experience the heady sweetness of the fragrance of forgiveness acceptance and newness and be inspired to continue your own part of the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray. It's hard to imagine, Lord, that to look at, Jesus was just a regular guy. Not especially handsome. Just another itinerant preacher and wonder worker. It's hard to imagine how it must have felt for Simon or the woman who were part of that night in Bethany all those centuries ago. And we'll never know how their lives turned out. Yet we believe that something beautiful occurred. Something that continues to touch the lives of people like us. Ordinary people, damaged and damaging, who need to be made whole. Grant us what we need and transform us from brokenness to beauty. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Our prayers of intercession today attempt to recognize the complexity of brokenness, that people who are damaged can in turn cause damage, that spirals of decay and cycles of negativity are not easily halted, that beauty is fragile and often all too fleeting. Let us pray. God of goodness, wholeness, and beauty. We come to you now as people all too keenly aware of the ugliness, brokenness, and evil that blight our lives and of your creation. As we bring our prayers to you, help us to glimpse the hope, the healing, and the loveliness you offer. We come to you as we really are, flawed and failing, every bit as capable of inflicting wounds as we are of being hurt. As we make our prayers, please help us to receive the hope and healing you offer, and also to discover how we must change to halt the destructive tendencies we each possess. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard to know how to word our prayers, to find the means of expressing what we feel. And so, trusting that even now your Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, we name before you situations of brokenness where transformation is needed. The country of Haiti where natural disaster, fear, frustration and anger deal death, and where men and women of goodwill work hard to bring hope. For Iraq and Afghanistan, where civilians live with violence and uncertainty, where young men and women kill or are killed in the, services of, in the service of causes they may neither understand nor affirm. For Nepal, where BMS, TLM and UNM endeavour to work across cultural and religious boundaries to bring hope, and where ancient rivalries and political uncertainty so easily undermine the good work. For those whose lifestyles offend us, and for those we offend with our own. For those who live with visible and invisible scars of injury or abuse, and for those who feel compelled to harm others or themselves. For those who live in the streets around our building, students and professionals, families, refugees and asylum seekers, each with their own untold story, each vulnerable to harm and capable of hurting others. For our own families, 
where love and loathing so easily coexist, where dreams can be nurtured and destroyed, where familiarity and contempt may lurk, and where, hidden from the world, we work out the tensions of daily life. We take a few moments in the silence to bring to God our own need for healing. Healing from hurts that we have received. Healing from hurts that we have caused. Release from the chains of self-loathing. Freedom from the shackles of arrogance and pride. Beautiful God, as loved and forgiven people, offered hope and a future in Christ our Lord. May his beauty be seen in our lives. The beauty that transforms sorrow to joy, fear to hope, violence to peace, hate to love, and bitterness to gentleness. Amen.